and welcome to the latest episode of Jumpcast, the podcast from the award-winning team behind Jumpcut Online. My name is Sarah Buttery and I am your host for today and I am joined once again by Barry Levitt and today we are talking about 2019's Frozen 2, the 58th Disney animated film. Oh my goodness, did you ever think we would get to 58 films, Barry? No, <laughs> I absolutely... <laughs> I absolutely did not. Um, If we were doing the UK list, we would be on Raya, and this would be the very end, but the UK list Mm. is... Incorrect. Utter bogus, and if a podcast is doing the UK list, they should take a look themselves and think about what they're doing, because that just just doesn't make any sense. Um, Mm -hmm. So we are doing the US, the official canon. Um, This is film 58. One more to go after this, so technically two more, because we haven't actually even met. I don't even think we've... Did you say Frozen 2? It's Frozen 2! <laughs> I did, you yeah. Haven't looked at the t- oh, there, you, there you go. It's, uh, this is probably the hottest recording we've had since 101 Dalmatians yeah. eons ago, back in the 60s. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we're in 2019. And it is very hot, so uh, mm-hmm. there may be potential lapses in memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, hilarious <laughs> laughter just from pure desperation for it to be colder outside. Um, yeah. All sorts of fun stuff in an air conditionless world mm-hmm. that is the United Kingdom. Um, mm. But this is going to yeah. be interesting. This is a film a lot of people like. Uh, and even if they don't, it is the number one highest grossing, without inflation, of course, uh, animated film of all time, mm. which is a pretty big deal. Um, almost one and a half billion, like just under $1.5 billion, a, a truly insane number. Um, <laughs> does it deserve it? We'll be talking about that. I mean, it doesn't, just to be really clear. It is not the best. I mean, very rarely does most mean best, um, Mm. if ever, really. And I wouldn't say it's the greatest animated film of all time, but it certainly is the highest grossing, uh, not adjusting for inflation. That would still be Snow White. Um, Mm. But this is a pretty monumental movie. It is another sequel. We just had one. Uh, Mm -hmm. We just had... this This is our third official disney sequel two in a row yeah um i would not be surprised if there's a frozen three i also wouldn't be surprised if there's a ralph three um i think they'll probably just keep coming until uh they really have nowhere to go because i think at the end of this there are still things that can happen to them um Mm -hmm. that maybe would be a little more coherent who could (laughs) say um but yeah this will be this will be a fun one to talk about i think there's there's some really interesting stuff that they do it's quite different from a lot of the other films we've seen um, and it should be it should be fun. I think we'll have a good time. I mean, we always do. yeah, we always do. Yeah, it's I I can't uh, help but feel a sense of irony in us talking about Frozen too when we are currently the very opposite of Frozen. Um, so I yeah, wish. I wish I was in snowy Arendelle right now. That would be uh, that would be delightful. But alas, we are not. We are <laughs> currently melting in uh, over thirty degree heat. But we will persevere. Um, and and get through this uh, this episode and uh, yeah have lots to say about Frozen Two I'm sure uh, yeah I I've had a uh, I think we both have had a slight change in opinion on this film but it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to get into I, I think um, regardless of how our our feelings might have changed since the last time we watched it um, but yes the uh, plot synopsis for this film from IMDb is as follows um, Anna Elsa Kristoff Olaf and Sven leave Arendelle to travel to an ancient autumn-bound forest of an enchanted land 
Okay. Uh, they set out to find the origin of Elsa's powers in order to save their kingdom. I love how even that plot synopsis doesn't know what's going is that on. What this, um, is that what this film was about? <laughs> I mean, that's what it says in the plot description. Okay. And who are we to call IMDb <laughs> liars? Um, well, I certainly don't know what this is about, so that makes sense to me. <laughs> it it tracks honestly. If that's what if that's what they tell me this film is about, I'll I'll have to believe it because I've got nothing else. Um, but uh, I'm sure you have got uh, a small amount of uh, history and, and interesting things to, to tell us about this film anyway. So, uh, yeah, take it away. Yes, it is. It is small. Um, as we get closer to basically next, like the last week when these films came out, like Raya is a, a few months ago at this point. Um, and only on like Disney Plus as of the last like six weeks. So some of these have obviously less history than something like Dumbo. Um I would say for people who are big on Frozen and big into Disney and honestly even just general filmmaking, um, I heartily recommend the Disney Plus has a docu-series um, about the making of Frozen 2. It's like six episodes. They're like 30 to 45 minutes each. It is um, tremendously insightful and really, really exciting to watch. And, and honestly, nothing I can say will be more interesting than that. But you don't have to spend three hours listening to me, so you know it's up to you. That, but that also comes with visuals. But it's 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 a lot longer than what I'm about to say. Um, so I would say if you're if you're more interested or interested in learning more about the making of this film, or even just how Disney films get made, or how animation gets made, or honestly just general filmmaking, I I would um, race there when we're done because it's a really really exciting. And honestly, you wouldn't have even had to see the film to find it interesting. It's all about the kind of filmmaking process however if you haven't watched frozen 2 i'm not really sure why you're here but that's okay <laughs> stay with us for fun um so the um when when frozen first came out there was obviously kind of talk right away from fans wanting more and wanting to see these people these characters continue in their world uh but in march 2014 disney chairman um, Alan Horn stated that there were no plans for a sequel unlike Wreck-It Ralph when they kind of just immediately started working on sequel ideas because they were already developing a Frozen Broadway show uh, based on the film that had just been released in 2013 um, and Kristen and Robert Anderson Lopez were needed to make more songs for that because obviously when you go from a film to a Broadway show your your if it's a Broadway musical your songs basically double or triple so they need to write probably another 10-15 songs for that alone um However, it didn't take long for things to start to change. Uh, in, jo in June 2014, John Lasseter, who at the time was um, still the creative chief officer of Disney Animation, told Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee to kind of explore whatever they were passionate about. And I guess that's what the kind of creative license you get once you make, at the time, the most successful animated film of all time. Mm -hmm. And the pair decided to begin developing an entirely new film that had nothing to do with Frozen. Um, however they were working on the short for Frozen, the short called Frozen Fever, which came out at the end of 2014, and they realized pretty quickly how much they loved those characters and how much they wanted to kind of continue that world building with Anna and Elsa and the gang. So, in March 2015, so only only a year for them to say no sequel to, yeah, you bet there's a sequel, uh, they announced a full-length sequel was underway. Now, one of the things that they wanted to deal with and, and effectively tackle in Frozen 2 was kind of head-on facing a lot of the criticism they got for Frozen was them borrowing from the Scandinavian indigenous Sami culture. Um, and we've talked about Disney kind of uh, doing questionable things, to say the very least. 
uh, to doing outwardly horrific racist things and deeply sexist things and all sorts of awful things, uh, which is, you know, at times a sign of the times, and it's never excusable, but it's kind of a part of a lot of old art, if you will. However, we've also kind of noted that, like, with Zootopia and all sorts of different films, that they've really made an effort recently to kind of combat those issues. Um, so this time, they collaborated with a group of Sami experts to create the fictional North Uldra tribe, which are based on, on, on the Samis. Uh, and they f actually forged an official agreement with the uh, official agreement with the transnational Sami Council and Sami parliaments of Norway, Sweden, and Finland. So it was quite a pretty, like, robust, almost like a treaty, um, saying that they would do their very best to kind of consult and make sure that the lore and, and, and myth-making and all sorts of the, the world-building of Frozen 2 was very much indebted to the culture that they borrowed from in the first film and, and did not credit. And they were a lot more conscious of doing that this time. Um, and Frozen 2 was, as we kind of talked about, had a baby, pretty big crew. Uh, approximately 800 people worked on the film, and 80 of which were animators. Um, Wayne Unton was the support, uh, sorry, supervising animator for Elsa once again, uh, and he would kind of show. Basically, you have the whole group working on Elsa and all working on all the characters. But the idea for supervising animators now, as opposed to before, when there was only small teams working on each character, um, is still to just make sure that that character remains consistent and remains true to who that character is. So each character has um, a supervising animator for the Frozen movies, uh, and he would show. Uh, footage of superheroes like Iceman and Frozone to animators working on Elsa as examples of what not to emulate because he didn't want Elsa to feel uh, like a superhero rather than you know a, just a, a person who is kind of dealing with magical powers and didn't want her to feel like an effortless superhero who can just kind of glide around and save the day. Uh, and her movements were modeled after the first film and drew inspiration from modern dance especially the work of Martha Graham. Um, and a lot of work was done, one of the biggest challenges they had was kind of defining the design of the Nok, um, which are the water spirits in the movie. And the aim was for the Nok to be a more stable, to have a more stable appearance in the ocean in Moana, and even just take kind of another degree of realism, but also keep that kind of stylistic um, cartoon integrity, if you will. Uh, and the animators were given really complex tools, the, the software engineers were really creating amazing kind of technology to be able to allow these spirits to really look like liquid um, and kind of successfully create nook that felt strong and stormy. Uh, the effects in the film actually got to the point where they were so realistic that they kind of had to take a step back uh, and make them more stylized to kind of match the characters because it was getting to the point where it just looked um, like it was real life, basically. <laughs> and it's actually, there's a, there's a funny moment in the um, documentary or the, the docu-series about making Frozen 2 when Kristen Bell and Josh Gad or Josh Gad is showing Kristen Bell the trailer the, the sneak preview trailer the one that has like Elsa dramatically like running out of like we don't know the context it's just like Elsa running through the water um, and, and Kristen Bell was kind of like what is that? That's not animation. And they're like, that's animation. She's like, that's animation? And it's, it's true because the, the water in this really looks just mm. absolutely unbelievable. So they did have to, so apparently it looked even more unbelievable and they had to kind of like roll it back just a tiny bit to make it a bit more stylized and, and in place in an animated film. Uh, and Frozen 2 was released after a long struggle, which is again, well-documented in that series. They really struggled with character motivations and the story itself which we will be talking about an awful lot uh, and they really struggled with the song show yourself um, especially 
but they eventually released it in November 22nd, 2019. Uh, it was a modest success, raking in $1.45 billion worldwide, $474 million in the U.S., and $972 million world, uh, in the rest of the world. Uh, to date, it is the most successful animated movie of all time, unless you count the Lion King remake, which Disney does not count as animated, So, and honestly, I don't count it as existing, so I'm happy <laughs> to say that Frozen 2 uh, is the most and successful animated movie of all time, and... <laughs> It estimated to earn $600 million in pure profit, which is a pretty Jeez. unbelievable figure. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I, maybe it's just because it hasn't been out for that long, but it kind of completely passed me by like how much of a monumental success this film was when it came out, because I think that we're just used to Disney just hitting it out of the park every single time now or, or pretty much it'll be interesting to talk about Raya because obviously that came out under very very different circumstances this was Disney's sort of last big in theatres release of, of these sort of films anyway and it following Frozen which was incredibly successful I mean we described it as a as a phenomenon because that's that's what it was when it came out that film was absolutely everywhere um I it seems obvious like of course the sequel to that would do incredibly well but yeah the the actual scale of its success I think has just completely <laughs> completely passed me by almost but yeah wow I mean when you hit those figures it's kind of like yeah undeniable really this film was a a monumental success for Disney yeah truly and and we've been talking about how kind of you know their success has been steadily building over the last decade and they've been regaining mm everything basically from the 90s they were kind of superpowers and then 2000s they were at risk of fading quite far behind pixar and dreamworks but then they swallowed pixar whole and bought pixar so they were no longer a concern but dreamworks was still uh and then blue sky came in with ice age and you know, kind of had two studios really beating you year mm. after year quite easily um so this is this is a real return and it'll be very interesting to see how the 2020s play out um, with kind of illumination kind of coming into play over the last 10 years as a, as a big threat with Despicable Me and The Secret Life of Pets uh, and now the Sing franchise with which uh, I am very excited for the sequel and uh, <laughs> that'll, that'll be fun um, but you know they're making like 75 million movies in Despicable Me and those all turn in crazy amounts of money so mm. there is competition once again um, for them so it'll be interesting to see who wins the next decade um, especially with the way Disney releases things, if they're going to continue to do things, if putting putting all Pixar movies on Disney Plus, I guess that's one way to make sure you beat Pixar, which is kind of a weird decision considering you own Pixar. Mm, but hey, uh -huh. we can. That's that's for a whole other kind of. Podcast. <laughs> um, one thing I didn't mention: Jennifer Lee, who um, wrote Frozen and Code or Frozen Two, and and co-directed Frozen Two as she did the first one. Um, the year before Frozen Two came out. Uh, John Lasseter was removed as chief creative officer over um, allegations of sexual misconduct uh, and was replaced by Jennifer Lee. So while she was writing and directing Frozen, she was also um, overseeing every single other project that they were doing while raising kids. The, the Again, the I really can't speak highly enough mm. of the documentary. It's so interesting because Disney has been so um, closed off to letting people kind of see the real conflict of, of filmmaking and how not like they're they're not like fighting and yelling at each other but you know they're they're saying openly like this isn't working mm -hmm. we need to change this and really getting to see how it's how it's done 
Um, there was we talked about a film called The Sweatbox, which came out, um, which kind of screened at some festivals before being kind of removed forever from the world. Although I'm sure you can find it online. When Emperor's New Groove came out, and that was kind of all about the making of of that and how it was really just like an unmitigated disaster, which we talked about a lot in that episode. Mm. Um, excuse me, but it's interesting because this one is very open about how the process is going, about what's working and, and difficulties, and you also get to kind of get to know um, the directors as people and like how they're they're living and, and all sorts of things, and you get to know the people behind the film as well as mm. the difficult and the great things about making a film. Mm. And it's kind of amazing that not only is it Disney not trying to shut it down, but it's actually on Disney Plus as mm-hmm. a readily available, readily watchable. If you search Frozen two and go to like real i mean you can just find the documentary on its own but if you go to servers and two it's the first thing and like suggested right underneath it yeah. they're not hiding it they want you to watch it uh and mm. it's it's really 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 interesting mm. from anyone who's interested in how film is made in general um but especially if you're interested in 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 disney because they go into all sorts of things but it was really neat to kind of see Disney mm. open themselves up to that and it's it kind of speaks to I guess this kind of new era we're in of Disney of, of being more open and trying to uh, be more responsible in the kind of films that they're making um, and all sorts of things like that so it's definitely a positive step forward to include mm. things like that and I I hope um, there is no Raya one at the moment but I, I would love them to do, keep doing similar things with, with it because I think it's really eye-opening and exciting and honestly i wish every film did it because i would love to see mm. behind the scenes of how all sorts of stuff gets made because it is very fascinating yeah i mean we've been we've been crying out for sort of like special features like this or this sort of extensive for a while because we we both tend to watch i think the the discs um and then the special features that you get on the discs are of varying quality like there's some that you can tell i think you've said before actually you can tell the films disney really really likes uh because they give you a lot of special features and then some of the ones that they maybe want to like sweep under the carpet a little bit you get like a small featurette maybe a deleted scene or two and that's it but um yeah, yeah this is the most the most in a while and i've actually not watched this series yet but i'm really keen to i think it came out well, it came out obviously after the release of the film but i'm not sure if it if it came out whilst we were doing this podcast and obviously i thought well, i want to watch the film and then kind of watch the series so yeah. i think this is this is my time now to to watch it maybe once we've yeah, um, wrapped on this podcast but yeah definitely all righty let's let's get stuck Honestly, in and start talking about since, oh, go on, no, cause, go. no because you were just about to say <laughs> again i'm basically gonna say the 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 making up is a lot better mm. than <laughs> yeah (laughs) let's let's expand upon that shall we um maybe we can start with the the things that we do like about this this film and um as with so many of (laughs) of the films sort of in this era you cannot fault the the animation at all um and also with it being a film in the sort of the frozen franchise if you will the songs are really really great as well um they are probably the two strongest elements of this this film for me but yeah we we've spoken about this i think particularly on a lot of recent episodes and and we sat on quite different sides of the fence on ralph breaks the internet but we both have have reassessed i think quite a lot of the films in in this era and we were just talking about this uh before we started recording actually and i think that 
not that doing this podcast has like ruined these films for me but i think it's very easy to get for me personally to get caught up in the excitement of a brand new disney release like when it comes out of the cinema it's probably been like a year since i last saw you know the films in this in this canon or whatever and i feel excited when the new release comes out and i loved the first <laughs> the first frozen film so then when frozen 2 came out i absolutely loved it and i i've been dying to rewatch it i think there's many times in this podcast where we've been like i really want to rewatch frozen 2 and i can't because i have to wait until we get to that episode and now we've got to that <laughs> now we've got to that episode and i'm like did I watch the same film? I don't yeah. I don't know. I've I've very much changed my my opinion on this film. I fear it may go down even further once we've uh finished talking about it as well, but but we'll see. And well let's start with the the positive elements then, I guess. So animation-wise, I think we're we're really just saying all the things that we've said uh in recent episodes. It looks incredible and I didn't know that thing that you said, that you said like it looked too realistic and they had to make it look <laughs> I know, worse. Right? I find that so funny because there are moments in this where I'm like you cannot tell me that that water is not real or that that forest isn't real because the, the detail that, yeah, the one, is the one oh. moment where they're like on the their parent ship for some inexplicable reason um and she like puts her hands on the cuz like water yes. for memory she says and the water droplets come up it's like that's just real water oh. they're cheating. It it's isn't. So... It it's un it's unbelievable. It's really it's mm. kind of to the point. I'm kind of like I'm kind of bored. Like I get it. And, yeah. and that's, no, that's not even that's not it's not necessarily fair because you know they're trying to look. Some, it does look beautiful. Um, the color palette is a lot more interesting and a lot richer and a lot more diverse in Frozen Two than it is in the first one, which is mm. basically entirely snow and there's very little snow, which I would have enjoyed. I think more ice in this movie because it is so hot. Um, but that's not their fault. This movie came out in November. <laughs> um, and you probably would have appreciated the more autumn stuff then. But it's mm. it's just funny because it's so pristine and perfect that mm -hmm. I just... I miss, I miss like, the rough lines of 101. And I miss the yeah, I get it. grittiness of Great Mouse and even Oliver mm. and come, anything. I just I just miss it. I'm... I'm there's, there's not really that much you can say about the um, animation, except the, the set design and production design is through the roof i mean it just looks so beautiful and the costuming is mm. incredible elsa's so both of elsa's outfits are, are amazing um everyone looks so great and it's such a big leap from the first frozen which i think is kind of the Huge. big thing to point out is that uh, the crowds are much better the environments are much better the characters themselves just look uh not necessarily more human or more cartoon they just look more refined i think um, and the level of animation has really been stepped up, and they really are, there are kind of small stepping stones from each film to the next. This is quite an interesting comparison to the film that just came before it, Ralph Breaks the Internet, because they look absolutely nothing alike, yet are both really, really impressive feats of animation, and honestly, neither of them look like Zootopia either. So the last kind of, the last three movies, and then if you go back to Big Hero 6, none of these movies look like each other. It's really impressive how they're able mm. to kind of build off of the last film while creating something almost entirely different and honestly Raya looks nothing like any of those either so they're really creating distinct visual worlds in each film that they are creating which is a very impressive feat uh, and mm. because I think DreamWorks is the kind of thing 
a lot of the films look really colorful and, and nice, but you can tell in illumination as well. Like you can usually tell just by looking at like a frame. You're like, oh, this is DreamWorks, or like this is illumination. But because the the worlds are still pretty consistently similar, which is not a bad thing. Um, you know, it, it obviously works for them, and they're creating very successful uh, films, so it's not a problem. Uh, but you can really feel the the people at Disney kind of pushing creatively to create very distinct worlds in each of their films, which I really admire. And this is a very different film visually from the first Frozen, which is very impressive because it's the same. And I think the same with Ralph and Wreck-It Ralph and Ralph Breaks the Internet. There are two very distinct worlds that they put them in, which is not an easy task for a sequel to look so different yet feel so familiar. It's um, mm. it's really well handled. I mean, it's immaculate. I don't really have anything else to to say about it. They don't. It isn't. Yeah. There aren't really any moments that you're kind of like, oh, that's not great. It just looks uniformly perfect. It's the magic of machines that I'm just, I guess I'm just a little bored of it because it's, <laughs> it's almost like I don't know. I just don't know where else it can go. Obviously, yeah. it can go somewhere. You know, in in ten years, we'll we'll see. Uh, and it'll be interesting watching these like twenty years from now, seeing if they mm. look awful or if they look as breathtaking as they do now um but yeah i guess only time will tell but this is uh if you're if you animated frozen 2 and you're listening to this congrats because it is it's 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 monumental it's Mm. really astonishing yeah i know what you mean and and i guess rather than sort of like being being bored by it i guess it's just kind of like well yeah this is what we've come to expect there's nothing yeah even though there were moments in it where I'm like, oh gosh, that is so, that's so beautiful to look at. That's a really nice shot. That looks incredible or whatever. And there were moments like that where I, you know, particularly anything involving water and that sort of like water horse that you get later on in the film, just any moment where that horse was on screen, I was like, this is beautiful and I love looking at it. But it's also just what you what you expect and what you know and and what you anticipate Disney films will look like now and even Moana sort of gave us like very kind of brief bits of of hand drawn and something a little different and this this does really just feel like you know where can you go from from here like what can you do and and these these last sort of like films you know four or five films in particular that we've spoken about and the next one to come as well there's just nothing really to there's nothing really to to fault in them and it has made me have like a just a real hankering for hand drawn again because you know in that i feel like you can really see the the artist mark upon those characters you can sort of see like um whether it's like slight mistakes or like imperfections or you can get the real like tactile sense of like someone drew this someone painted that um and that's not to say that computer animated has has less craft and it's just a different kind of craft and a different kind of artistry um but yeah i think it's the the mechanation of it you know it's it's designed to be perfect and it is Mm -hmm. so it's hard to i'm not complaining i'm not saying it's bad it it isn't (laughs) it's too perfect I, i just miss I guess I just have a hankering for a different style that always, yeah, is yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. And I, I, feel I, like a, I feel like a, I feel like we're like the cranky old coots who like sit outside on the porch, <laughs> like telling the kids to like get off their lawn. But yeah, in our rocking we, chairs. That's where we are now. Yeah, that doesn't sound yeah. too bad. That doesn't sound. That sounds like a pretty good life. It sure does. Yeah. Um. Let's let's talk about the the songs um as well because we. 
had issues with a particular song in in Frozen uh, or a couple of songs really that sort of stop it from being the the kind of soundtrack you can listen to all the way through without skipping any songs. So before we get into them in a bit more detail, I'll first ask, are there any songs on the Frozen 2 soundtrack that you skip? And if so, what are they? Because <laughs> I have one. Um, not that I skip. I, I don't think, <laughs> okay. I don't think the last two are very good. Yeah. Um, which which are show yourself and and well that's not fair to say not very good but well maybe it is I don't know I I can't sing I can't write music but I also can't make films so here I am talking <laughs> about them so never mind um, I I think show yourself musically sounds great um, mm. I I think contextually with the film is is <laughs> I, I don't I'm not sure we will I think we should get into the sto- I think the story Please. is the biggest thing we'll be talking Please. about um, but. Mm. Yeah, it just doesn't work. I don't think, but I like singing. Like I don't. I like like singing along to it or trying yeah. to because it's very. It's a very difficult song to sing, um, and mm. I can barely. I can't sing anything, let alone something that's actually complicated. Um, and the next right thing <laughs> I think actually is kind of the opposite. That it works well in the movie and it's mm. sung beautifully by Kristen Bell. But I just think it's a bland song, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. with not a whole lot of variation, and it's just it's just very sad. Um, which is which? Which again, for for the context, they're kind of the opposite. Yeah. Like one of them fits contextually in the film really well, but I just don't think it's a very good song. Um, and then the other is um, quite a nice song to listen to, but makes no sense in the movie. I don't think. Yes. And show yourself was is kind of a big part of that documentary and a big issue that they had basically from the beginning was wrapping up this story because that that song is supposed to be the like the completion of like Elsa's like two film arc. But we'll get we'll get to that. Um, mm-hmm. All the other songs I think are great. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, all is found is fine. It's like a lullaby, but it's it's love. It's beautifully sung um, yeah. by uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was worried I said Rachel Evan Wood, but it's it is. And yeah, and and she also sings beautifully in in Show Yourself as well. What is your um? What is your what do? You, oh, sorry. What is, what's your skip? My skip is um, next right thing. Um, just because. Okay. It, com- it, it comes in the fixer-upper slot of the film as well, where I'm kind of just ready to like wrap things up and for things to be done, and then they throw another song in there. And it, it, I don't want to be unfair, because it, I'm glad you pointed out like how beautifully it is sung, because that is the song I listen to Kristen Bell sing, and I'm like, wow, you have an amazing voice. Like She sings it so, so beautifully. Um, and it does completely fit the moment, because... Anna at that point is is in despair she's grieving you know everything has gone wrong and she just needs to find the strength to kind of like take the next the next step even like one more step to sort of you know make it make it better and just do the next thing that she can and I I like all of that but like when it comes up on the playlist I'm kind of just like I don't I don't want to feel that sad like without the actual visuals that accompany it in the film it's a it's not a song that I want to have on my like fun disney playlist that i'm listening to in the car <laughs> it's um it's very that's a, it's a great point it's very jarring when you compare it to literally every single other song in this sure movie is. and heck even in the first frozen it is just so um different from all the others and i think that makes it stand out but not necessarily in a good way mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. i think something's never never changes is very is a very charming lovely song with some great um harmonies i think 
Into mm-hmm. the Unknown is so Into the Unknown I guess is is Let It Go Part Two or you mm-hmm. could say Show Yourself is I'm honestly not sure which one I guess they were <laughs> supposed to do two uh, neither yeah. of them are as good Let It Go is the best um, Frozen it absolutely is yeah. uh, song and and there's nothing <laughs> we can do about it even nope. if there's one I like more in this movie but I just think as a, as just like a what it's doing I think Let It Go is is the number mm-hmm. one but there's one more there's one I I like more that's in this. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Into the Unknown is really good. It's also really complex vocally, and I mean, Indina Menzel is is a is a superstar for a reason, um, mm-hmm. and it's just it's really beautiful. Um, but it also we had a problem with Let It Go because it came so early. Um, Into the Unknown it starts at the 17 minute mark, yeah, um, and there's like a full hour and 15 minutes to go before this like big elsa moment song and mm. i guess they were like people love let it go so let's make this one even earlier like, something let it go was about half an hour so like basically halfway first like th- the characters have been like hi i'm anna and then she's like into the unknown <laughs> like, <"Walked on." laughs> what because <laughs> there's, there's three songs in the first 17 minutes um Jeez, and then the, the other four kind of like spread out over the last hour and 10 minutes um yeah. but they really they're hitting you with the songs as as quickly as they can which i'm not um which isn't a problem but i just feel like the impact of into the unknown is is a bit too early and also it's not really as clear as what's going on like let it go it was we knew exactly what everyone was feeling they did a really Mm -hmm. great job perhaps even over egging the fact that you know she's told to conceal don't feel by her evil parents who are no better in this film i'm going to stand by that um even though they try to kind of do some image repair but they aren't but we'll get to that after the song Mm -hmm. i think um they're all good what is your favorite i think i it's funny because until we started talking about this i kind of like go between into the unknown and show yourself just because i'm a i'm a sucker for elsa's songs i just i Mm. i think i just love adina menzel's voice so much that i'm just kind of obsessed with everything that she does um so those are definitely the ones i listen to the most and the ones that i attempt to belt out in my car the most um to not great success but i have a fun time anyway it is probably into the unknown i again it's like it's it's the same with frozen where it's just like oh the the super obvious answer is to say let it go is the best song but guess what it is it's probably the best disney song like of the last decade like you cannot stop that song it's it's incredible it's, and it's objectively the most popular yeah that's for yeah. sure best definitely. is best is definitely potential as well yeah yeah so i I think my favourite is probably, in terms of actual song into the unknown, there is a sequence and a song that I just laugh the entire way through every time. I feel like we that's maybe this we maybe have the same <laughs> favourite for that. If I know you well enough, uh, a certain little reindeer uh, ditty that we get uh, in the film later on has uh, just some of the best visuals in it it just make me laugh every single time yeah um, that's that's my favorite i see by, and... <laughs> by like a by a good like 50 miles i just i yeah. think lost in the woods is um everything i could ever want from a disney film everything i could want from a disney song mm. it is an an 80s inspired pop ballad uh it's magical a, a rock ballad <laughs> if you rock pop ballad uh, they reference Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, I mean, look, I don't know what else you could possibly want 
Uh, I think it, I genuinely think it's the best sequence in the movie as well. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely the funniest. It's definitely the most entertaining <laughs> three, four minutes. Jonathan Groff has an incredible voice, and it's nice to see him more showcased here because obviously they had Rangers are better than people, but it wasn't, you know, you didn't get to really hear what he's capable of. And all of the bits that are sung by the reindeer are all sung by Jonathan Groff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a really cool bit in the in the documentary where they, where they put, where they like play each thing individually, and it just sounds awful. <laughs> and then they put it all together, and it just sounds unbelievable. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's a really it's really cool seeing the the process of, of creating that song and the animation mm. for that song as well but it's lost in the woods is 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 the one for me um mm. i think like all this i i think if you were to compare the soundtracks of one and two i think one is better um overall mm. um but two is still really good and i probably listened to it more probably just a recency bias um yeah, than agreed. the 2013 one I, i've listened to these songs a uh, probably unforgivable amount of time <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it might you know like spotify gives you your like most played or something every year um yeah. i feel like for the since frozen 2 came out i think pretty consistently there have been songs from frozen 2 uh in my like most played of the year uh and that will probably continue this year. I cannot see it uh, it changing at all. <laughs> but I I do love Lost in the Woods as well. I think that um, the song in itself is is really great. And as a, a Hamilton stan, uh, to have Jonathan Groff actually like have the chance to to sing is is great because he has an incredible voice. Um, he was underused, I think, uh, in the first film. They literally only give him reindeers are better than people and a little bit of fixer upper to sing um which wasn't enough really so giving him like a solo not even just solo because he's singing like multiple parts so giving him this like big number that is just him i think is writes a lot of the wrongs of of the first film in not giving him like a song when everyone else had their had their number as well i mean han's got to sing more than Kristoff did in the first film which is silly really um so very thankful that this that this song exists um every time those reindeer start singing it makes me laugh i was absolutely cackling watching this watching this sequence um and if anyone is even like vaguely familiar with kind of cheesy boy band rock pop power ballad music videos like this will just hit exactly right and it's it runs the risk of feeling like super out of place just having this basically like music video style sequence in the middle of the film but it fits so perfectly and it seems it to just it, it somehow it work. works i think because yeah. it, it really works with the dynamic of, of Stan and christoph as characters and i think christoph mm-hmm. is really um really interesting because he he is very much a supporting character in in you know in meaning that like he quite literally his you know his role and his what he takes pride in doing is supporting anna yeah um and you know, there's that moment when she's kind of um, running, he doesn't come to her hero rescue. You know, mm. he doesn't need to save her at the end from those like earth giant things. But he he just helps her, and he just says, you know, what what is it that you need? And and she says, and he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a really interesting dynamic that's that's very mature for Disney and very forward for Disney, and it's it's great to see that um, dynamic. And I think that the song really nails the dynamic between Sven and Kristoff as as a reindeer man duo. <laughs> um, and I think that's why, which is fun to say. And I think yeah. that's why it it works so well. But shall we? Um, well, actually, like you know, we've we've talked about Disney's top forty love, and there are three very big names 
Um, yeah. We've got uh, Panic at the Disco doing um, Into the Unknown in the credits. We have Casey Musgrave doing All is Found. And we have Weezer, which is awesome, uh, doing mm-hmm. uh, Lost in the Woods. All three are really, really good. <laughs> so good. Um, usually usually when I listen to the like soundtrack, I don't, I don't really do playlists. I just listen to like the albums or whatever. So when I usually, mm-hmm. like in Disney ones, I'll just skip the like pop cover or just kind of like do like not really pay attention while it's on but these three these these are all really good i think my favorite mm-hmm. is the into the unknown because that just feels like a song that like sh- that they could have fully just sung without this movie mm. um because the, the the voices work so well but they're like the rise so and falls and everything i just i really um i really enjoyed that mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. Yeah, before we get get on to the the story, I think I mean we we've not really talked about the the Olaf number. I know that neither of us are like big oh, yeah. fans of of well, Olaf, but I prefer this song to In Summer. I think it makes I do more too, sense. And I, I, <laughs> I think Olaf is more of a character this time rather than like a comic device. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think I actually quite like Olaf in this, which is one of the better mm-hmm. achievements of this film. Is that I think Olaf is. Um, a character again and he's or for the first time and isn't just there to like make jokes and has yeah. like feelings and, and, I agree. and feels defined as more than just a talking snowman and he does have um, a real standout sequence in this movie where he recaps <laughs> the entirety of the first Frozen um, and while I would argue I think as an overall film thing if you need like a two minute recap of your first movie to make any make to make anything make sense maybe you're doing it wrong however it is so funny and so so well done and so well delivered that it's hard to be mad because it is truly hysterical Mm. um and it's it's that's probably my other favorite scene in this movie also the end credits he gets to recap the movie we just watched um which is which is really funny as well yeah (laughs) A genuine. Well, he. But even in even in the recap at the end of the, in the end credits, he's like, I don't know. A bunch of other stuff happened. It's like, oh, so you don't even know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I don't think I'd seen. So I'm with you there, the, Olaf. Yeah, I don't think I'd seen the post credits of this before, and now I know. Like as with Marvel films, like you always stay for the for the end credits now in in Disney films because there will usually be a little a little button that they kind of put at the end of it. Um, but I don't think I watched I watched this uh, post credit scene before, so. It made me laugh a great deal, uh, just because obviously that that moment earlier in the film is is genius. Um, when he recreates the whole of the first film with all of the voices and costume changes and everything else, and it's wonderful. Um, but then also like having got to the end of this film and not really having a clue what had just happened, having someone like then fail to uh, try and recap it as well uh, made me laugh probably more than it should have done. So that that joke really hit well for me. Um, this time right shall we (laughs) shall we try and make sense of this plot because no i i i'm now i'm struggling i'm i'm really struggling to think of what i was able to overlook the first time i saw this film to give it a rating as high as i did and to put it as high as i did in my overall ranked thing um because I <laughs> could not fathom what was happening this time around um, or make any sense really of anything. And I think it is just that Disney rose-tinted spectacles the first time I saw it where I was kind of just like happy to be there, happy to be watching another Frozen film and didn't really sort of like sit back and analyze it. But then watching it this time, I was like, I need to be concentrating. I need to be making notes. 
I need to be writing things down. And I reached a point where I was like, I don't know what's happening. I'm just kind of having a good time, sort of, still, maybe. Um, yeah. I, I think both <laughs> of us experienced um, being kind of wowed by the sumptuous visual palette mm-hmm. of this film. Uh, and some really lovely songs and some really funny moments. But yeah. as a whole, it, it does need to be said that this movie is... I'm trying to think of the right word. It was necessarily terrible. That's not necessarily true. Um, <laughs> it does not succeed, I don't think, in telling mm-hmm. a coherent, um, emotionally resonant story. No. Nope. Um, I think there are a lot of ideas. Uh, usually I could tell you what they are. This time I'm, I'm less sure. I will say there is one thing this film does uh, really well and and plays with really interesting is kind of the idea of you know imperialism and colonialism and Mm. a seemingly lovely nation really being responsible for a lot of evil um and it does tackle that although it's kind of tacked on at the end and 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 kind of hurried at the end because i i I guess they've been messing around for so long trying to figure out where they're going that they that they kind of (laughs) forgot to really dive into it too much but you know there is essentially the there's a big reveal um when Elsa uh, approaches this mysterious place and receives mysterious visions, question mark, um, and sees her grand, like a, an image of Alden Ice ops, um, of her grandfather, you know, basically saying, let's build a dam. So basically you see a dam at the beginning and it's kind of like a symbol of like beauty and like a really helpful, amazing thing they did to help the forest be stronger. Um, but the real purpose of the dam, it's revealed, was to do quite the opposite and kind of destroy everyone else, uh, the indigenous people of, mm. I don't really know what, it's not the country they're in, isn't defined, but essentially Norway or the, the, the world around Arendelle and the indigenous communities and, and destroying them in order for Arendelle to be number one because, uh, according to this flashback, you know, he was fearful of what they were capable of instead of just getting to know them, he... Uh, decided to kind of build this dam and destroy their resources and and essentially ruin them so they could be thriving and and this has happened in reality uh, many many times all over the world so it's it's very interesting to see them tackle that because it's not something they've done before mm-hmm. um, but I feel like that would be much more potent if it wasn't muddled in people trying to figure out what on earth is going on in front of their eyes <laughs> um, and a lot of that I guess comes down to Elsa's journey which I still don't understand. Um, nope. This is a this is a person who um, is still traumatized by her parents because uh, she's still kind of afraid to open up to Anna because she's been told her whole life to not and mm-hmm. to kind of keep everything at bay and, and hide her feelings. So you know it's not unreasonable that especially at the beginning and well kind of throughout it kind of hits the same beat, which is another issue. Um, it's kind of. Frozen 2 is kind of just the same scene, well, a couple of different scenes over and over. It's just like Kristoff trying to propose to Anna for half an hour. And then the other hour is Anna being like, Elsa, you don't have to do this alone. But Elsa's been so weighed down by the trauma of her parents telling her that she has to do everything alone, that she thinks she has to do everything alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually this. I actually think this one is even easier to blame on the parents because it's <laughs> they are just they're really awful. Um, and they don't do the conceal don't feel thing this time that's you have to know that already from the last one mm. and they do trying to clean up their image a bit and there's a whole thing with the relationship with her mother so perhaps it's just the father that's a monster but i'm still going to stick with this, both of them they're they're a duo um <laughs> it, it's it's just 
I feel like there isn't enough growth in these characters either. I feel like they're all kind of doing the exact same thing they were doing the first time. Mm. Like, in the first movie, Elsa was trying to figure herself out. In this movie, she's trying to figure herself out. In the first movie, Anna's trying to save Elsa. In this movie, she's trying to save Elsa. In the first movie, um, Kristoff is falling in love with Anna. In this movie, he's trying to propose to Anna. It's not very different. Uh, the only one who's shown any sort of evolution is a freaking snowman. <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> and, and and maybe the reindeer. But like, that's not ideal. He has a lovely little bow tie by the end of it, so he has yeah. changed over time. Um, oh, that bow tie, I wrote in all caps, Sven's bow tie. We should stand Sven's bow tie. It's really <laughs> He's serving looks uh, right in the last minute of the film. Yeah, I... Uh, the thing that I think I struggle the most with in this in this film was is the story and it's kind of lack of real clear purpose and direction and i really dislike when a sequel is to a film is made purely just for for money basically as you know the first film did really well like let's get more of more of that and that's i don't think that you know the case with frozen 2 is that you know they wouldn't have made it if they didn't want to if they didn't want to if they felt that they didn't have a story to tell but when i'm not clear on like what the story is that they want to tell it's easy for that like cynical part of me to kick in and be like is this just a cash cow did they just want to kind of like get more money because i don't feel like much or enough has changed for these characters as it as it progresses i mean they end up you know spoiler alert i guess separate because anna becomes the queen of Arendelle and Elsa I don't know becomes a, a magical horse riding lady uh, with the Northoldra people um, so they she, sort of that like is, go that is true by the way <laughs> Sarah if you haven't watched this film that is not making that up that is what yeah. and I will say that, that it's funny because we have two films now in a row that kind of deal with the idea of people being better off separate mm. um, but I think Ralph Breaks Internet actually does a way 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 better job of, yeah. of getting that dynamic across and this just kind of throws it in at the end for I don't even know what yeah I I agree and it didn't it didn't feel like there was I don't want the like the frozen stands to come for me but like I I think what the film was like trying to do was obviously establish this sense of of their their parents their mother and father sort of like came from you know the mother was North Aldra and the the father was was from Arendelle and and they sort of like you know uh came together and and united their people or whatever but yet there was still division because of uh the the way it had been done was obviously not right they had you know taken taken land from them and sort of uh cut them off and and left them sort of like stranded in an enchanted forest but it just even as i'm explaining mm. it like it gets messy do you know what i mean it's like it's hard to explain yeah. exactly what happens in this film like i am olaf in the end credits like trying to explain it because the, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're expected to invest so much in elsa's journey and i care about elsa as a character i love elsa as a character but that moment that big like show yourself moment where she has this kind of like revelation or sort of like sees her past and like sees you know uh her mother or something and finds out that she is the the fifth element or something i don't know because it's like earth fire wind whatever and she is ice so she is the thing in the middle of it's it's really hard for me to 
right to grapple with like my head now is like confused i don't know if it's just because it's hot but i'm like what was gained from what was gained from this like what what happens in this this film can you tell i'm struggling i am i'm really no um, i am too i don't even i can't even usually if one of us is struggling with the detail the other one can fill it in mm -hmm. uh but this is a I, I don't necessarily think it's um as cash cowy as well i don't know maybe it is <laughs> but <laughs> I think I think it was made with the best intentions um, yes. of people who were really passionate about the story in the first place. I just my my big issue is that is that as a structure, it, it's very very flimsy to the point of baffling confusion. Um, and it's and and that's not even because it's just overly complicated. It, I don't think it necessarily is. I think it, there's just not enough there. Um, mm -hmm. It's very threadbare kind of in in weaving things together and then. Uh, basically, this whole thing is basically she hears a voice and they go and find it, and then some other stuff happens along the way. Like there's not there's not a whole lot uh, there. And the mm -hmm. other thing is these characters just haven't, y you know, the kind of evolution from Wreck It Ralph to Ralph Breaks the Internet is fairly significant for both of them. They're kind of um, the core of who they are is the same, but they're. Uh, missions in life are now kind of very different you know Ralph really wants to stay where he is and Vanellope wants to kind of evolve and, and see what mm -hmm. else is out there but which is you know a very different motivation than both of them in, in the first movie Ralph wants to um, Ralph is an outcast and wants to fit in in the first one and then you know he having finally got what he wants he's very happy with that and wants it the same in the second one and then and then Vanellope in the first one is just wants to belong um, and have the, the they both have the same kind of thing in the first one and then the second one they kind of go in opposite directions but this uh, and it's easy to compare because they literally came right after the other both in the first movies and Wreck-It Ralph was 2012 and Frozen was 2013 and then these were 2018 and 2019 um, but hey look if I get to talk more this is I guess Ralph Breaks the Internet is my new Great Mouse Detective um, <laughs> and but I, but but I think it's true in this sense that the characters are on different journeys in the second one so seeing them do new things is exciting but here they're basically the exact same just with pretty new outfits yeah and I, I need more than that mm -hmm. it just it feels it feels quite shallow and i feel like i i wanted more out of the story because i think that the the story of the first one is so is so much stronger in terms of that sister relationship and them sort of their relationship changing and, and developing over time and Anna really changing as a person I and mean, she goes on a, a real journey in the first film from sort of being this sort of quite naive obsessed with the idea of, of love and, and everything else and makes bad decisions along the way and, and finds out something about herself as as the film ends and so does Elsa in the first film as well she learns that actually her powers can be useful as we knew all along and her parents could have you know made clear to her as well that there were <laughs> that there was good in in her powers and this film just seems to be really expanding on what we knew already but still not offering enough enough substance to fill an entire film and i th i think it's quite i think it's quite frustrating i found myself getting frustrated with it yesterday and just wishing wishing for more just wishing for more substance because it's not enough for a film to have good songs and be pretty to look at it's it's not like i you Especially expect more it's like an hour 40 if you're gonna have like a dumbo length movie or like a 70 minute film then i guess you can kind of string that together a bit better but this one is one of the longer disney films 
mm. and I just I, I I just the substance I think is just missing for me. Um, I don't really know. Uh, it's a it's kind of a difficult one to talk about because it it's just kind of you know what I actually was thinking and this is never a good thing. I was thinking of Robin Hood while watching this uh, oh because at, at <laughs> some point it does kind of feel like uh, a selection of various sequences like mm-hmm. sketches kind of pasted together. Um, uh, like the when I am old, basically half these songs are about how nothing makes sense and they can't figure out what they're doing like Lost in the Woods he's literally mm-hmm. lost and can't find his way and neither can we and when I am older is about how he's confused and scared of everything same I, <laughs> I don't know what's going on Into the Unknown is about how she's going to find something she can't they can't literally three of these songs just off the top Into the Unknown When I Am Older Lost in the Woods and probably Show Yourself Too are all about and actually also the next right thing are all about like what are they going to do yeah tell me I'm wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. I mean, show yourself is literally like, tell me, like, show me. <laughs> Who are you? What is happening? Oh, and I think it it's really building up. Show yourself in particular to I I love it as a song, but in the in the film itself, it's 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 nonsense. It really is because you're building up to this whole thing. Like she's gonna go to this place and find out this thing about herself. And then when I'm when it happens and I we're not even sure of what she has found out or what it changes, uh, she learns the truth about what happened between Arendelle and the Northaldra, I guess. But it's still then Anna who saves the day, and and obviously from because she gets the vision from from Elsa or whatever. So then uh, it's really hard to talk about this. <laughs> It's really hard to talk about it. Oh, I didn't think I was going to struggle this much, but it's it's well, it just yeah, it's, it's um, it's it's unfortunate because um, I actually to be fair, we had a similar issue with Frozen where the the story is not uh, there's not a whole lot going on, but at mm. least it is, and it has pacing issues, but at least we can kind of follow along. Um, but this this has a this has really lovely moments throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really lovely bit where they play charades, and it's just nice to see these characters kind of interact without like going on some grand mission. I really appreciated that. Uh, that does not last very long. It's a, like basically right after that they go on their mission, but it was nice <laughs> to see for a while. Um, and you know, the first like ten minutes of this movie, they're kind of just hanging out, having a good time, which I really like to see because mm. that's the kind of thing I was hoping for more of. This movie is just kind of seeing what's next in their life, and this is the next chapter. But I think maybe there's not a big enough separation of time. Uh, story-wise, in terms of like, it, it feels like this is probably like a few weeks after. Like, it's not very clear, but it doesn't seem like it's a whole lot longer. Like, since things have been open, because she said yeah. their parents died. There's some point where she says her parents died six years ago, but I'm pretty sure that the first one was something like six years ago, or maybe five. Three, I think, in the first. In the this first has been film. three years. Mm. They're three years older. Mm, okay. <laughs> Olaf has certainly he's changed. He's he's been on a real journey and is maturing. He's the only and... one. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Like, what? Imagine the most character development being given to to essentially the sidekick, but he is over everyone actually changed and and progressed in these films. <laughs> I th- I swear the three thing the three years thing is right. I'm sure I was reading earlier that this is Probably. three years after the first one. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Um, do you do you have any, I mean anything else on the I guess the the story or any sort of like problems with it before we before we move on? Um, 
<laughs> I feel like I feel like I guess I mean there's not even that much else to cover. I mean, this is a film that really feels like a missed opportunity to me. Mm. I don't. Um, I guess we can talk about the the big reveal is that this voice is her mother. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, there was a big thing about how. Okay, I think I think I have an idea of how to fix this. I think that if this was more about this dam and more about these people stuck in the forest, I think that stuff is interesting. And Take I out think the parents. The yeah. idea. Sorry. Take out the parents. Yeah. Well, seriously. <laughs> uh, I think I think this idea of, I think interrogating this idea of you know Elsa's the new queen and things in Arendelle are not what she thought they were. Yeah. Um, and this beautiful king and Anna and Elsa realize that this beautiful kingdom that's meant to be about like prosperity and equality and, and progressiveness is really mm-hmm. an evil colonial power that has deprived um, other people of vital resources for 34 years, somewhat mm-hmm. months and 23 days. Um, and I think that is a really interesting story that would be very different for Disney Agreed. to tackle in kind of the same way that Ralph was such a step out because it's the first kind of film that is so for you achingly contemporary but like so in your face contemporary (laughs) like very of its time and very of its age that this would be really interesting because we've never had them try and tackle those things before and it happens Mm. here but it doesn't it's just kind of yet another addition on top of everything else it doesn't really feel like a big moment that's i think that's another thing none of these moments feel big the show yourself song is confusing the voice thing is confusing there's all these different ideas there's like a five minute sequence with a fire spirit um burning everything that just turns out to be a cute salamander and never sets anything on fire ever again (laughs) it's just like a really it's just like a way to waste five minutes and make everyone panic to just introduce a cute little critter they make some really strange decisions that i i don't understand Mm. Um, and watching this a second time, I was really kind of, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, it looks amazing, and the songs are really catchy and fun to sing along to, but that's only, the songs are only like 20, 25 minutes of this movie, maybe half an hour max, there's still another hour, Mm. Uh, and what's there is, is muddled, is confusing, and I don't know what the point is. Mm -hmm. Um, I Mm -hmm. think there's some sort of desire to make it about the environment and nature and colonial powers and and but it's also about sisterhood and motherhood and it's also about love and it's also about finding yourself Mm. as a reindeer and a snowman and it's just about so many things that none of the (laughs) threads are tied up at the end and you are just kind of slack jawed watching elsa riding on a ice slash water horse Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's all very very beautiful to look at but i don't think it makes a whole lot of sense and i was yeah. i was really left kind of stunned at how i don't want to say the word inept because that's not really fair because i don't think it well no i'm gonna use it for for that's how i felt in the moment I was like this is mm. this is inept this is not this is this feels very amateur for something that looks so professional Mm. and feel so professional and like these you're supposed to have these huge emotional moments you know Olaf isn't dead and you know Elsa's not dead because you already saw Anna get frozen in the last one and she was fine so when you see Elsa get frozen this time you know she's gonna be fine <laughs> you can't have you can't have two characters die and I'm using yeah. the same way in two consecutive movies mm-hmm. I think yeah <laughs> another thing this uh, this film suffers from or you know 
is one of the problems is is a lack of stakes i guess but yes yeah it feels like there should be high stakes i mean the the entire population of arendelle are forced to to leave because the earth suddenly starts moving and all the fire is gone and all the rest of it so their entire you know people that the elsa rules they need saving so that should be very high stakes what happens to those people are they just like left on the side of the mountain whilst they're like waiting for them to come back from their little adventure in the forest and it never feels like there are any particularly high stakes for them because it then becomes this film about like rather than them going to have to save the people of Arendelle which is also the plot of the first film I would mention is that like everything gets frozen so they have to save the people of Arendelle so things aren't frozen is you know cut and paste that from the first film and just drop it into this one and then it becomes this sort of like personal journey about Elsa discovering herself even though she already discovered herself in the first film and then you add in like so many other characters as well and the the sort of the things of the past and the stuff involving their parents and i think it just it just it tries to do absolutely everything and ends up achieving nothing and i i don't necessarily have a problem with the lack of the lack of villain because i don't think it needs it and actually kind of refreshing i guess to not have like a villain twist which is what we've had um, pretty consistently yeah, throughout that's true. this. If anyone, period. if anyone is the villain, it's Arendelle as a nation. <laughs> but even that, even that point, which is actually interesting, like Disney tackling colonialism, is a really interesting an idea, and I wish they had explored that more. I think. I mean, I said it when you were sort of like talking about how to fix the film. I think the simplest way of fixing this film is take out all the stuff with trying to wreck on the parents. Like they don't deserve it for a start. I don't think it adds anything to it. So did Elsa's mother have magical powers as well? If she did, it doesn't really explain that. I know she is part of the Northuldra, so perhaps she used magic or had a familiarity with magic. But then if she did have a familiarity with magic, why did she allow Elsa to be locked in a room and not use her magic? Like, these things don't make sense to me. They don't add up to me. Like, the the trying to add in that thing with, with the the parents and that you know their great love and how that tried to unite the people and how that can be a metaphor going forward for these two nations living harmoniously together it's like i don't i don't i don't care like i'm not super invested in that i, I what does elsa learn from from her mother when she goes to the asahalan like what i bleh, bleh. that she's her <laughs> that she's home i honestly I feel like that was like a really complex way to tell us about the grandfather um, and get into the whole damn thing. And yes. it's just like I feel like that could have been done half an hour earlier. The other way I think this could be a lot more interesting is if you go way more into the North Uldra tribe um, and mm. in the way that they've been wronged, in the way that Arendelle has dealt with them and really deal almost with like the politics of that. And, and by politics, I just mean kind of the way things are, mm. not like a literal like House of Commons segment. Um, although, you know, that would be fun for Disney. Why not? Um, but yeah, I just feel like there are there are interesting threads and they kind of ignore them all in favor mm. of uh, uh, chasing spirits. But they don't explain the spirits and they don't mm. explain the mythology behind it all. Even though they've done all this work with the, the, the Sami people to kind of learn more, they just kind of, 
I mean, and apparently it is it is faithful to to that kind of thing and and or to that um sorry uh life and experience, which is great. But tell me more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would make this more interesting because that's a unique angle that Disney hasn't tackled before. Really, like going into indigenous cultures that isn't what makes the red man red, which is kind of the last just off the top of my head, the last kind of time they've really explored um indigenous people, which was horrific and awful. And my least favorite song. Spoilers for the um, the wrap up, the worst song in Disney history. <laughs> so I, so from that, it's a big improvement. But I still, you know, if that's gonna be a big element of your story, maybe that's the problem. There are no big elements. It's just mm. a bunch of tiny ones that don't come together. I'm I'm really like I really like this last each minute I talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'm really upset. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> I'm getting that I'm getting that feeling. Um, and it's it's. It's getting to me as well, and I um, I know that I'm going to reassess my rating of this and be thoroughly ashamed of where I placed it originally. But also, you know, we have to own it. If I really liked it when it first came out, then I will happily admit that, and opinions can change over time. And also, critiquing a film or finding the faults in it is also allowed. Like, this may be someone's absolute favourite thing. And honestly, I'm, I'm happy for them. If this is your favourite Disney film, then that's absolutely fine you are allowed to feel that way and also you know we are also allowed to to find the faults in it like that is you know what we have done this whole time i think is is be sort of fair and reasonable with these films and try and find the the good and the bad in them some have more more good than bad or vice versa and this this does seem to be one of those films where the more you dive into it the more problems you uncover which really just adds further to that argument of everything that is good in this film being quite surface level and being sort of in the in the aesthetics or the things that the catchy songs the things that you remember from it and and yet everything else in it is quite uh weak uh and confusing and muddled but let's um i think we've (laughs) lost our minds enough trying to unpack uh this this story and make any sense of it um so should we should we talk about who we who we stan or we could maybe get a little bit into um Elsa and uh a certain like hint possibly that they drop with another character which we we talked a lot about um Elsa in the first film and how sort of like the queer coding of of her as a character and how uh potentially yeah. she is uh she is asexual it never sort of like says she is or isn't um but in this film i don't know if it was <laughs> i don't know if it was just me but when this this character of honey marin is introduced uh she's part of the north Aldra tribe and her and elsa share this sort of like quite nice moment uh next to the fire together and the like small like optimistic part of my heart was like maybe they're gonna make you know this more of a thing maybe they will have the possible suggestion that you know perhaps these two would have a relationship or something like that uh but then they snatch it away from us right at the end and in fact hint i guess that uh she and uh the sort of male reindeer person rider that's the one um that they sort of perhaps end up together because we sort of see them together at the end and and elsa continues to be alone I don't know I'm kind of if if don't drop the possible hint of there being a romantic relationship or or a you know friendship or whatever like with this like other character 
and then at the end sort of like completely take it away either have her be sort of you know as we said in the in the first film you know tendencies to, i guess towards being sort of asexual or just no interest in romantic relationships at all it just felt like a bit of a cruel trick <laughs> on disney's part to yeah. like give me what it's, i wanted um, and then take it away yeah i i've been reading some stuff recently about kind of because there's been a whole thing with the new pixar movie about whether they're gay or not i haven't seen it yet um mm. but I, I i read something interesting saying like kind of like you have to kind of just if if they're gay to you or if they're queer to you then they are mm-hmm. um and i don't know if that's good enough but I, I guess it's something and making something you know canon doesn't necessarily i don't know it, it's all complicated but i think um it does a worse job than the first one well i mean it just kind of drops <laughs> that whole thing for the first one yeah. and kind of throws in these kind of glances between the two of them but i mean both honey Marin and, and Ryder seem like they'd be interesting but again uh, I feel like we kind of lose them, especially Honey Marin, very, very quickly. She kind of has like a couple lines and that's it. Ryder has a bit more. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a really lovely story behind Ryder. He's named after um, Chris Buck's son who died in a car accident at like 23 when the mm-hmm. first one was coming out. Um, and it was it was really kind of devastating and, and awful. So he kind of honored him by, by naming that one character Ryder, which I thought was lovely. And you do get a bit of Ryder. Um, but again, I just wish there was more like more. You, you, they introduce these new characters i mean sterling k brown is um uh matthias and he's really interesting too he's also the first like non-white character in this whole thing which is really interesting and, and the mm-hmm. dynamics of that are interesting but he was supposed to have a song um but they but they ended up cutting that for mm. story reasons but you know this could have used more stuff i don't know what story <laughs> reasons they cut it for because there is no but i think i think that song was going to kind of explain a lot more about the dynamics of of their world um mm. them the the arendelle soldiers and also the north alder tribe which would have been nice because i would have liked to know more about them but perhaps mm-hmm. that song just just didn't make sense in what they were doing i can't mm. i don't know what they were doing <laughs> um what is happening yeah i just Everything, everything to me about Frozen Two just kind of comes back to. I feel like no one asked the question, "What is really, truly different from the first movie when they were making this?" Mm-hmm. Because to me, it feels visually, it is very different. I'll give them that. Um, but it feels too familiar, and and doesn't feel bold enough. Like the the yeah. the colonial thing, colonialism thing is really interesting and could really provide a new story that they've never done could be really emotionally resonant to most of the world honestly mm. um and would just be a really compelling story you could have a really compelling you don't even need a villain you you, you are essentially you discover that you're the villain that's a really interesting dynamic Super ralph, interesting. Ralph, oh sorry ralph yeah ralph breaks the internet did something kind of similar where ralph became was the hero and became the villain and what that means um, but this would kind of be like you don't even realize you're doing anything awful, mm. but your family lineage, uh, and it's a grandparent. It's not like a great, 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 great. It wasn't like hundreds of years ago. Like you probably met him. Um, you know, did these awful things that your parents, who are pure evil, so it's not surprising, then fully supported. Um, and I doubt it's not like their parents would have been like, yes, we totally agree that this dam is just for you know they they knew. Mm. Um, so you know, no surprise they're evil. Um, <laughs> But it's just, I feel like there's a real story there that's really interesting. It's mm. kind of what happens when you take over a kingdom and realize that your kingdom is is rooted on evil or is like sleeping on a pile of evil. That's mm-hmm. so interesting to me. Yeah. Way more interesting than a voice that doesn't get, that kind of gets vaguely explained at the end. But I don't know. I just, <laughs> let's talk about who we stand. 
even the even this was like um <laughs> slim pickings i guess i'm now like questioning my choice because we we've, we've sort of already said like this character it kind of really only serves like one purpose and that's uh, that's to be to be cute but when so much of what this film offers us is kind of like surface level i i don't feel bad about this pick and it is an incredibly cute character as well um i don't think his name is ever said in the film but it's the the sort of little salamander fire spirit thing um who apparently is called bruni um and is this real cute little purple purpley blue uh critter who uh just loves diving into big old piles of snow um he doesn't talk so adds uh, another character to our canon of of non-speaking characters um but i do enjoy looking at this character um i think that he's he's very fun to look at um and every time he was on the screen just made me happy just made my, my little heart happy because he is exceptionally adorable um but it's it again it's even even with this even with something that is you know talking about a, a character who who we really like or sort of want to you know give a give a platform to or shout about how much we we like them and enjoy them even this i'm finding hard to offer any more than he's real cute uh yeah i don't know if you had did you have another choice for a potential for in this house we stand or well i feel like matthias would be really interesting but they don't do enough with him i feel like sure. iduna the mother could be interesting but they don't do enough with her i mean i guess he kind of wins by default because he's cute and we already did sven and olaf is too major to stand because yeah. honestly i can't believe it but like olaf is probably the best character in this well chris Kristoff and olaf are the best characters in this movie and that i is, agree uh, shocking and kind of chills me to my core but I think it's true I mean they both grow and they both do interesting things and and I Anna is another is a character that really frustrates me in this because they've mm -hmm. kind of reduced her to begging Elsa to stop and crying yeah and even in and her... kind of like self-doubt like yeah. whenever whenever Kristoff is trying to propose she kind of turns it into this like oh you don't want to be with me kind of thing it's like what are you talking about he's in love with you he's obsessed with you i was just i was disappointed to see that uh fiercely like independent funny bubbly silly goofy um princess turn into a more passive almost aurora-esque mm. uh princess i feel like she really regresses in this movie which makes me angry i need to i need to okay bruni the salamander yeah he's cute I, I have nothing else to i don't know i have nothing else to say i mean he that whole sequence that he's introduced doesn't make any sense because it's no. like he sets fire to all the stuff and then he's just a cute salamander for the rest of it he doesn't ever set anything on fire again he is no longer relevant to the plot after that it uh Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah. I. Uh, I. I, I don't even like think it's just the, next the heat. Hour, just like. Uh. <laughs> yeah. It's not even just the heat. I think this film has has genuinely broken us a no, little I've bit. Had it. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't even think we've got, we've got anything else to cover. Um. I'll just have no. a. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some Easter eggs as as we would expect to see in a in a Disney film. Um they happen like right at the start as well so uh nice and easy to spot if you don't want to watch the whole film which honestly the mood i'm in at the moment fair enough um i i, I you should still watch the film uh, there's a lot of pretty things to look at in it and good things that that happen but yeah uh <laughs> the so the easter eggs uh anna and elsa we sort of see like flashbacks of them as as children 
um, and they are playing with some some snow figures. Uh, there is a little snow figure of Dumbo. There's a little Baymax because they love putting Big Hero Six in everything. Apparently, um, there's a, a Snow White, and there also apparently is a Totoro as well from from my neighbor Totoro, which is uh, Studio Ghibli. So unusual to see to see him appear, although he appears also in Toy Story Three. So. Um, yeah, that's that's a fun a fun little nugget. I didn't spot Totoro, and I love Totoro, so I need to go back and watch that beginning bit at least. Um, there's just also to see. Um, there's a fun moment when Elsa is very confusingly looking at all these ice figures who are talking for some reason, mm. um, and one of them is, I believe, her father as a kid, and it's her mom coming up and being like, "What are you reading?" And he's um, he says um, some new Danish author who I can only assume yeah. is supposed to be Hans Christian Andersen who wrote the Snow Queen of which this is based. Mm-hmm. So I thought mm-hmm. that was that was fun too. But yeah, that's that's something fun. See, there you go, ending on a on a on a high. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ending on a high and also uh, ending on as always. Uh, you giving us a a very quick rundown of our about four themes, which I believe we tick all of them although like with most things in this film it doesn't sort of really elaborate uh, on these things too much so yeah it can can take us through those uh, those quickly before we wrap up yeah um four themes that we've got sidekicks Olaf is here Olaf is Olaf should run this movie and so should Kristoff <laughs> who I think is also a sidekick to Anna um mm. I think I think basically they're the this is one of the very few times if maybe even the first time where the sidekicks are a bit more interesting than the our protagonists this time um Man and nature, yeah, this is this is really kind of all about nature and, and, and our way of interacting with it, especially the dynamic of the dam and this idea that, you know, it's really helpful, but actually it's really quite destructive in, in this particular sense. Dams in general are, you know, serve a purpose. Um, but this, mm. this one is designed specifically for the purposes of evil, but it's been under the guise of good. And a lot of times it's kind of used as a parable for the environment and kind of saying, you know, this is really beneficial, but really it just benefits your, your pockets mm. and not the actual planet. Um, also, I think while the next right thing is is probably more about like breaking out of or, or grappling with, in fact, depression, I think it can also be kind of a parable of the environment and like kind of taking care of it and really listening to the signs of nature and following those. Um, and really, we should all be a bit more like the um, the tribe that they, they encounter, the North Older tribe, which is a shame because we never see them. Anyway, um, absence of a parent, um, they're both still dead. Um, but they do try and kind of retcon and give them a better image, mm. which uh, I think we've effectively dismantled and <laughs> probably proven them to be even more evil than the first one. So hooray! Sure have. Um, and then a Disney death. We we we. Olaf's is the most dramatic because he quite literally like fades into um, in in on his arm and he's actually gone and actually dead for a while. Mm. Um, another thing that really bothered me, great, um, is when at the end Elsa to Anna is like, <laughs> "Do you want to build a snowman?" And then Anna's not happy. She's like, what? You don't know what she's going to do? Mm. <laughs> you don't, you can't figure that out? You don't remember You think the she's first just going to like build a, yeah, like that was your whole thing. You, you don't think the snowman is going to be Olaf? Like water has memory, don't you remember? Um, <laughs> you were there. You said it yourself. Anyway, um, but Olaf has one. Elsa uh, kind of has one as well because mm. she kind of freezes and then disappears and they try and kill Elsa many times in this movie, but she perseveres and rides back on a water horse. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, that about does us for for Frozen Two. Uh, apologies, but also no apologies. Uh, sometimes you need to hear uh, the sort of the other side of it. The sort of like blanket universal praise for Disney, I think, is actually 
quite sickening sometimes um nothing wrong with you know like i said earlier if people do really like this movie or you just absolutely love and adore every single thing disney have ever done that is absolutely fine but just loving disney because it's disney and not really diving into them in in any level of detail i think is not what we're here for it's, it's certainly not what we're here for and and yeah this is a this has been despite the the, the anger and the frustration this has been a another fun one to to talk about and yeah we have got one more to come as well and i i uh i have only seen raya i think once um so i'm very much looking forward to to watching that again obviously it's super recent it only came out um what a couple of months ago i get confused with the disney plus and cinema thing but um yeah very very recent so that'll uh that'll be our last film we dive into and then of course we have our um big extravaganza final episode uh you can still send us some questions um yeah i think we forgot to say that at the beginning but by all means uh, tweet us. Yeah. Uh, uh, send a pigeon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. DM any. Us, any directly. Yeah. Skywriter. Method jump cast. Whatever. We'll we'll find it. We will answer your yeah. burning Disney animation general whatever you want to ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or anything or any comments or you know you want to point something out or you 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 do it. Yeah. We'll listen. We'll talk about it. <laughs> we will indeed yeah if you want us to rank anything or answer any questions as as you said then yeah we we will happy uh happily do that so uh you can tweet me i'm at sarah buddery and barry is at the levitt 93 um and jumpcast is at jumpcast underscore so just send us your questions and we'll we'll pick those up um before we get out of here of course as always we want to say a huge thank you to our patreons um, and they are Chris Wilson, Enon Films, Zoe Baines, Daryl Griffiths, Sam Luck, Oila Smith, Peter Hodgkins, Andy Meekin, Fabiana Rosas, Hamish Calvert. <laughs> Ma- We're so broken now. Martin Richmond, <laughs> Manuel Bento, <laughs> Robert Denny, and Javier Loring. <laughs> it's so it's so hot. I think we've broken. Um, a huge thank you to those guys for their support. Um, as always and if you want to find out how to become a patreon uh, you can do that on jump cuts website there you can find all the different tiers you can give at um, and the perks that you get as well oh barry i'm ready to go and sit in a ice cold bath or something to to cool down uh but this has been a a joy as as always a slightly ranty episode but a, a fun one as always as well um so thank you uh we are you're very uh, welcome it's been a long time since we both dis- disliked something so <laughs> i can't even think of the uh, i guess like home on the range yeah there, of... it's basically since then um we've had a we've had a very nice decade but frozen yeah. 2 despite being so to answer the question from the beginning no it should not be the highest grossing <laughs> animated film of all time but it is and that's fine i guess i can't yeah. do anything about it Nope, at least but... it's not the live action lion king live action i say yeah that. yeah it's uh yeah. yeah we don't even count that as a film as uh, as we said um no. yeah <laughs> so barry do you i've already mentioned your twitter handle but you can do it again so if you want to let people know where they can uh find you sure. on twitter and elsewhere yeah you can find me at uh on twitter at b levitt l-e-v-i-t-t 93 uh you can find me on letterbox at b levitt see what i gave frozen 2 it's it probably won't shock you at this point Um, but yeah that's where you can that's where you can find me 
Yeah, you can go to go to my letterbox as well and see what I gave Frozen to originally and then what I gave it now because pretty wild. Um you can find me on Twitter, I'm at Sarah Buttery, and you can find all of us at jumpcast underscore. You can check out all of our written reviews, features, interviews, news and more at jumpcutonline.co.uk and go straight to jumpcutonline.co.uk forward slash jumpcast to find out where you can find all of our podcast episodes. We will be back with a brand new episode next week and we'll see you then. Thank you.